0: This is the Tame Aperture Podcast. Open the pod bay doors, Cal.
1: I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that.
2: Welcome to the Tame Aperture Podcast, where we talk all things movies from first-time directors, indie art house, and much, much more. Today on the podcast, we dive deep into the 1973 directorial debut from Terrence Malick, titled Badlands starring Martin Sheen and Sissy Spacek. In this neo-noir period drama that is loosely based on the real-life murder spree of Charles Starkweather and his girlfriend, Carol Ann, teenager Holly, played by Spacek, angers her father when she begins dating an older rebellious boy, played by Martin Sheen. After a conflict between Holly and her father erupts in murder, the young lovers are forced to flee. In the ensuing crime spree, they journey through the Midwest to the badlands of Montana, eluding authorities along the way. Malik began work on the film during his second year attending the American Film Institute, and principal photography took place in Colorado in the summer of 1972. The film premiered as the closing film of the New York Film Festival in 1973, and was revered by many and was eventually purchased and distributed by Warner Brothers. Malik would go on to direct Days of Heaven, The Thin Red Line, and the Tree of Life. I'm Gabe Vienendahl, filmmaker, film instructor, and movie enthusiast. And with me as always, veteran podcaster and editor, Alan Martindale. Alan, how the hell are you today? I'm doing good, man. How about you? I'm doing great.
1: Terrence I like Malick. This.
2: Yeah, Terrence Malick. Yeah, yeah. Poetry and in, in imagery. Totally.
1: Uh, this is, I'm total confession here, this is the first... Terrence Malick movie I've ever
2: seen. You never went to see Tree of Life? No, I never did. You never did. saw uh, the, thin, the Thin Red Line? I don't think so. That's a pretty popular one, I too. know, I know. Of There's, all his films, that's probably the most, I would say, most popular. There,
1: there were a couple. I looked at his filmography. There are a couple on there that uh, sounded familiar, but I don't recall seeing them. So it's possible, but I don't think so.
2: The Thin Red Line is a great movie. It's really. That's weird. what I hear That's when it comes to war movies, and like it's just really, really yeah. well done. Uh, some of his stuff, you know, like I remember seeing the Tree of Life in theaters. The one with Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. It's filmed here in Utah. A lot. Oh, of, was it? Yeah, a lot of it was. Some parts of it, parts of it, at least in the Salt Flats and things like that. Um, beautiful.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, everything he's done is gorgeous.
2: His, his, it, the imagery is amazing, um, but but the Tree of Life was a little. Uh, a little high end for me. Was
1: it? Yeah, yeah. That's what I hear.
2: Um, but here, here we're talking about Badlands. This is his directorial debut. One thing in doing that research, as I read in the opener, there, like he started kind of working on this and prepping on this during his second year at AFI. Oh, did he? Well, and and that's uh, which is cool. I mean, that means
1: it doesn't feel like a student made this. Not movie, at all. At all. Not at all.
2: Last week. We talked about The Loveless. (laughs) Yes, we did. You know what we're going to start calling The Loveless? We'll start calling The Loveless the the film that shall not be named. I like that.
1: Oh, God. I mean, you just say the name, and it just sucks the energy out of the room. It's just such a boring fucking movie. It's so boring. It's bad. It's pointless.
2: And it's the directorial debut of Catherine Bigelow. And Monty Montgomery,
1: <laughs> the the uber famous Monty Montgomery, the the enigmatic
2: yeah. <laughs> Monty Montgomery. He sounds like a cartoon character. He do, He totally does. Um, but but in all in all honesty, really like, yeah. What's interesting about Badlands is like if you think about Malik, he's 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 still in school, um, and I don't know if that was a graduate degree or undergraduate. It doesn't matter. But mm-hmm. but nonetheless, you know, he's prepping this film. And you're right. When you watch this film in no way shape or form for me and i agree with you did i ever feel like i had that student f- vibe to it right, it didn't feel right. like it, it felt like these training wheels were off
1: for sure for sure well and i went into it fully expecting it because you know we've done enough of these shows now where when you say the first time featured director i'm starting to think i'm starting to get, get the idea in my head that it's going to be pretty rough yeah and um, with the exception of a few, the, yeah, yeah, With we did like being John Malkovich right, and right. like
2: some of those and this one also, but you're right. You're, you're always going, okay. Yeah.
1: And, and it temper it, the expectation. And I, I wasn't sure. Cause I went in totally blind, didn't know what this movie was about, had no idea what was going to happen in it. Um, and I was right at the beginning. I'm starting to think, Oh, maybe this might be another one of these movies, but it's, it's much, much better than, than those movies.
2: The thing about this one too, even in the beginning and even though it's just kind of normal, uh, we see Martin Sheen's character mm-hmm. who, who basically, he's a garbage man, right? So, and it seems very uh, kind of mundane in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But even with kind of the simplicity of what's happening, it's just showing him going around picking up garbage. And he's not just picking it up. He's actually, what's kind of funny to right. me is he's trying to sell it. Yeah, he's trying to yeah. find things that he can resell that people had thrown away, Mm -hmm. which I actually love. I think it's hilarious. I think that's a great little insight into his, into his character, but essentially uh, his, his character kit. um, But what I, I, sorry, I kind of, I kind of sidetracked there. What I was getting at is that even though it's kind of mundane and simple is that it's the cinematography is beautiful.
1: Oh, for sure. For sure. And
2: it especially towards the end, you start, it's filmed just, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. And Martin
1: Sheen I I don't know how he does this but because the characters a dullard he's an absolute he's an idiot yes and he's not very charming but for some reason
2: he is that well he
1: is and I don't know how Martin Sheen did it because I watch him and I'm like oh my god this guy's gonna drive me crazy but every line every every line that comes out of his mouth
2: I think is great. He kind of falls, you know, he's not quite at the Nicholson level, mm-hmm. but he's in that, also in that same era. But as an actor, you know, we've had these great actors in previous podcasts. And even if the movies were a failure, you know, we had Keitel, Harvard right, Keitel, right. and like and Jack Nicholson. And there were these actors that could just, of that era, those 60s and 70s, that just, they're really just, it's another, it's a weird thing. I, it, you don't find that as often
1: today no not at all not that
2: you can't find it but you don't find he is kind of a a treasure in a way in terms of of acting for
1: sure if i had never seen him in another thing i would think that he was this idiot
2: kid yeah
1: i would that's i would think that's him
2: but even though the character's kind of painted the character itself is built as kind of a a schlum he's just kind Mm -hmm. of whatever uh, like you said, he makes the character charming and intriguing. Right. Yeah. Well,
1: and he thinks he's super smart, too. That's always kind of fun. Yeah. Like when, when someone's really stupid, but they, they fancy themselves an intellectual, it's kind yeah. of funny.
2: Yeah. They they, they they act as an academic, even though they don't right. know what they're talking like about. Like
1: when he's digging through the trash and he sees, uh, he, he sees a piece of paper and he says, this lady's got to start paying her bills. She's going to get in trouble. It's, it's, it's almost a thing like I know so much more better than her. Yeah. But, and then just even the way that he, he dumps the garbage into the garbage truck and then he just kind of throws the can. Like, to yeah. me, that's funny. I don't know why. Yeah. No, but I, I know funny. exactly what you're saying. It's
2: hilarious. Like you would think if he's on top of a job, part of the job, even it would be like to make sure that last can gets in the garbage. Right. Truck. Right. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Um, but it's very simple to start. It's, it's, it's kind of, it sounds really kind of silly but it's kind of sweet how it la- it starts mm-hmm. with just kind of slow and simple and mundane and even though and, and so it kind of pu- it pulled me in a little bit like i'm kind of interested in this kind of guy who's just aimlessly wandering mm-hmm. and has no real direction but it still has a he's kind of intriguing for sure he's kind of intriguing and what's going to happen to this guy yeah
1: it, it's fun to just see his misadventures
2: and so he start, you know, his character goes on. He's just a normal garbage guy searching for scraps to sell. Uh, And then one thing I want to mention while we're we're talking about the cinematography, and we might touch back on this later, is um, it's so beautifully shot that I had to look at um, the DP. I had to find out who had shot this film for Terrence Malick. All of Terrence Malick's films are so poetically done the images are beautiful and if you watch any of his films they kind of have that that vibe mm-hmm. right and um there's some different photographers of this particular film but one of the main photographers is uh Tak fujimoto and uh, i was looking at his body of work and he's got this beautiful body of work and all the stuff he's done is exceptional uh you know something more notably uh, a lot of the M Night Shyamalan films, like The Sixth Sense, um, The Silence of the Lambs, like he's got a big portfolio. Um, he shot this film beautifully. Well,
1: from what I understand, I uh, I've read a little bit about about this movie, and I guess I guess it was a nightmare to make, and they had three cinematographers because the first two left because they we, bailed. Do, do
2: we know which one that was? I
1: I want to say talk was the assistant like the first ac or something like yeah. that and then he took over when the first guy left and then talk bailed when things got difficult too
2: because he um this is credited as his his first feature film as a dp or, a get, okay. or credited as cinematography
1: yeah I, I don't know if he was a first ac but he was definitely he was in the camera department yeah and when when the dp left he took over for a short amount of well,
2: time Looking at his body of work, he did a hell of a job, and oh, yeah. the others did too, yeah, um but beautifully shot, so immediately, like you said, it doesn't feel you know for, for a kid that's never made a feature film before, and Malik's still in college basically like I, for a budget and by the way, the budget on estimated budget on this is three hundred thousand dollars
1: and I know he had investors, but it, it also it it sounds like cast and crew weren't paid very much at all, yeah. And it sounds like it was a really tough production, which is interesting because it doesn't at all feel, it feels seamless. It doesn't feel like crews bailing and jumping on board. And uh, it doesn't feel like, like there's discontinuity anywhere.
2: Yeah. Sometimes if, if there's, if there's conflict on set, it kind of, it bleeds its way into the picture. Yeah, for sure. In this case, you wouldn't have never, you wouldn't know know, know that. Right. And,
1: and that, 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 Speaks a lot to Terrence Malick and his talent and his ability to get things done.
2: Yeah, at all costs. At the end For of sure. the day, he still has his vision and he's going to put it together, whether right anyone supports he's him. Or make doesn't. it happen. He's going to make it happen. And um so, uh, and he also, and he's credited Malick's credited as a writer, director, and producer of the film. There's a lot of responsibility to take on on that first right. role. It I read somewhere too that he had put in. $25,000 of his own money. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. So he had found some investment, but also had put in 25000 of his own. So he was really all in.
1: When I think he was an uncredited editor as well.
2: Yeah. What had happened? Yeah, I had read this too. And what had happened was the editor had laid out the first cut, and Malik didn't like it. So he th- <laughs> fired him off the production. And then him and another guy, and I don't remember his name, they edited, but then the The other guy got the credit got as the, the credit. editor, but ultimately Malik was behind the wheel there yeah, too, yeah. more so than a normal director would even be, like literally for sure editing himself. Yeah, that's a hell of a first swing.
1: For sure, it almost feels like a Robert Rodriguez type thing. He's just wearing all hats, just taking care of business, doing. Whatever I love he needs it to do.
2: too because it's it's almost like there's a there's a confidence in in yourself. Yes. Yes. What we find out later, this is 1973, but if you flash forward uh, 30 to today, he's regarded. I mean, Terrence Malick's regarded when it comes to filmmaking auteurism, mm-hmm. which is like uh, what it, what it, what I mean by that is his artistic ability to to make films in 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 a very style, not in a stylistic, but a but a very cert uh, very. Uh, distinct way mm-hmm. um that's highly regarded across you know not just but everywhere yeah um he's definitely that auteur um so like you said he, whatever it takes to get it done but back into this particular film like Martin Sheen is, is does a great job kind of bringing us into the story uh intriguing us a little uh he he leaves the He's they're out there collecting garbage. He's trying to resell it. He's just doing kind of clumsy stuff throughout the whole thing. And then the next scene, ultimately he sees this young girl, uh, in front of her house doing a playing with the baton. And he goes and starts talking to her. Yep. And it is a little creepy for sure. Because for sure, even though you haven't established ages yet, you know that he's significantly older than her.
1: Well, and she's, swirling a baton like a child you yeah, know. so like, you it, immediately
2: it's... go she's what junior high school right right and we come to find out that her character is i want to say 15 yeah and and then later in the in the story it's divulged that he is 10 years so he's 25 he's 25 years old hitting on a 15 year old god <laughs> oh, that's gross and it's really disturbing this is kind of this weird you know there's these undertones to these films and i you're going to hate me for this. I'll bring up the loveless again. <laughs> but like there's the these same thing. sexual undertones and, and, you know, of just really kind of rotten to the core men who, and, and who, who kind of pre- are predators. Right. You know what I mean? And this is a weird, well, it always seems to find its way into the story in some degree.
1: And Kit, yeah, it does. And it it's, maybe this is a a sign of the times. I'm not sure, but it does seem like a a repeating theme that we've seen in these movies, but kit, it's a little bit different with kit because it's creepy. Don't get me wrong. It's super creepy, but you don't get vibes where he,
2: you know, wishes
1: any ill will.
2: It's also not in a forceful way. Right. Right. And not that that, not that I'm condoning it, right. But it's different when it becomes pure aggression. Exactly. Um, not that it's good but, it, but sure. it's a different vibe absolutely definitely so he uh he he hits on on uh on holly and essentially this kind of starts a romance between the two and uh he kind of falls i would say he really kind of just falls head over heels for her. yeah uh in the beginning he kind of and she's i think what's makes it more disturbing too she's so young that she there's a naivete absolutely and she just kind of goes with it i think he any,
1: basically says follow me ascend i mean he doesn't say the those words but it just felt like hey follow me and she's like yeah. okay yeah whatever you say yeah it's it's creepy it's super and creepy they
2: start talking and they start he starts telling her what he does for a living and He starts talking about her father. Hey, would your dad mind if I came over or whatever? And she's like, yeah, he probably would. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, that doesn't stop him. Nope. It's a weird kind of innocent, clumsy relationship to start. Because he's so aimlessly wandering through life, he's trying to find something. For sure. And when he finds Holly, that's that thing. In In the next scene, he basically gets fired from his garbage truck because he just job. walked off the job because he just walked off in the previous he thing. just said
1: I've, I've picked up enough garbage today I'll See you later." <laughs> <laughs> like just, and it's almost like he doesn't understand that you can't just do that
0: yeah.
2: yeah that character the more we're we're going through that it makes me wonder what's going through this mind and it kind of it kind of foreshadows some of his later for sure attempts on things that he does it's
1: like he just does things
2: and doesn't understand that they're going to be consequences for those actions yeah he gets fired he goes and gets a job for the local ranch kind of uh, it's not herding cattle but he's 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 working on the local ranch mm. um and in the, in the in the meantime basically getting close to holly
1: well and let me let me back up a little bit here because there was one there was one moment I wanted to mention, and it's in the opening scene uh, with the when they're picking up the garbage and they, they see the dead dog. Yeah. And he says, I'll pay a dollar to eat this. <laughs> and The guy's reaction is the best. Like, I gonna eat that for, for a dollar. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it, it sets up. There's a lot of dead animals in this movie. It's funny. I read the same. A lot book. of them. And yeah. there's a lot of. Like, even the scenes with the cows were, and I don't really understand exactly what they're doing to the cows, but when he gets the job on the ranch and they're putting him in the cage and he's got to, like, kind of crank down the thing on their neck, like it's it's pretty brutal. There's a lot of animal cruelty, too.
2: There's some brutality to it. And they're shoving the, the pipe down the throat. And I don't know what the pipe the is. I don't know what the point is. I was wondering, is it some kind of like, are they pumping it with vitamins or steroids? Or? Right, right. I'm not sure. But they were
1: really doing it. I mean, that was not... Or is it poison?
2: Because in a, in a later scene, one of the cows is dead.
1: Yeah, and he just jumps on top of it. And he just starts like...
2: <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. But that's an interesting thing. And I like that you brought it back to that. Because from the very get-go, it's painted in terms of the imagery with with death mm-hmm. right so and that becomes a pretty prominent theme throughout the movie yeah um and you're right we see that a lot kind of um juxtaposed with the death the different animals there's the dog and the cow and then later there's a dead fish that comes into play and uh there's a couple dead dogs in here a couple dead dogs yeah. i'll get to that one because i always found that like very disturbing scene uh with the father yeah um but he gets fired. He gets fired from his job. He goes to the, Like we mentioned, he goes to the cattle ranch, and we mentioned some of the things that happened there. There's these kind of – I kind of like them. I like how they do it. Now, one of the things that the structures and how they tell the story is they use like a first-person narration with Holly. So Holly's kind of in, a, in almost like a journal-type fashion going over uh, various points of exposition – and kind of what's building between mm-hmm. Kit and her, and what's happening as we're seeing some of things transpire through maybe small montages and things like that.
1: Well, I enjoyed the narration too because it, it wasn't just pure exposition; it actually helped us understand Kit's character as well. Yeah, and also obviously what what uh, what, what what's her name? Holly. Holly, and also what was going through Holly's mind. Yeah, and kind of also the. I don't want to call it manipulation because I don't feel like Kit was trying to manipulate her. I just think she was easily swayed by an older person who seen, who, who is telling her he knows what's going on. He he he's got his shit together, type of thing. Yeah, and she just believes him because she's she's just a, a child. It's a
2: sense of like gullibility, right? She's, she's naive.
1: Yeah, for sure.
2: And and yeah, and I, I think that's the thing that I was alluding to, which is like this narration allows us to kind of follow it as if it we were reading a journal. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just... Exp- but I mean, it's actually c- things that are happening and feelings and mm-hmm. emotions and things that are going on between the two of them. And it's kind of an insight into the story. And I agree. I love how they... I like how they did it. And they also combine it quite nicely with like little montages of yeah. like... It's just pieced together really well, like structurally. Some of these films that we've talked about in the past are... They're sloppily done. Definitely. They're just like thrown together where this, this is very intentful all the way through. Yeah. And, uh, part of that is through this narration. I had read somewhere too, where someone had compared it to almost like, uh, a romance novel from the perspective of Holly. It kind of felt that way. It's, it's kind of, she very much romantically, uh, with her, with her googly eyes in Mm -hmm. terms of being a naive girl, uh, talks about Kit
1: right i mean he looks like james dean she said he was the most gorgeous person he, she'd ever seen yeah and she's swo- she's smitten immediately she's yeah. swooning for him
2: yep absolutely she's crushing hard man she's crushing hard
1: i learned that phrase from my kids
2: that's it <laughs> <laughs> We're getting those millennials yeah exactly they're, well
1: they're not even millennials no the, no, they're not
2: they're younger they're, the, they're what's the what's that what's the one
1: after millennials Oh god i can't remember but they're adamant that they're not millennials. <laughs> they're <adamant>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> millennials get a bad rap.
1: I agree. I'm a millennial.
2: I mean, I don't know when it comes in technically. I thought it said nineteen eighty one. I might be right on the fringe. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm right on the fringe of nineteen eighty
1: Gen Y and, and millennial, I think. But
2: I don't care about any of that.
1: It's it's not a thing. No, it's just it's, made up. It's not a real thing. It's, a, yeah.
2: it's not real. No, it's not. <laughs> Doesn't even make sense. I could go on for hours. About I know, that, we could man. we could go <laughs> off on a whole nother tangent. But when it comes to uh, to badlands, so, so yeah, they uh, he he's definitely robbing the cradle. Her dad doesn't like it. No, nope. which understandable, com- completely <laughs> <Very> understandable. understandable. <laughs> so, he, but but Kit kind of tries to approach the father, and he kind of tries to do it in a gentlemanly way. Yeah,
1: it's it, it's almost like he doesn't understand that this is an inappropriate relationship.
2: This is where his doofus side yeah, comes in. He's just
1: a dullard. He's just kind of an idiot. And he just doesn't, like, this is what you do, right? You go meet the father and you talk to him.
2: And her dad is a, is a sign painter. Mm-hmm. And he goes to one of the jobs and is like, hey. He's basically like, I like your daughter. Right. And can, can I be with her? And the dad's like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Shut. Her. Yeah. This is all paraphrasing. Right, right. It doesn't say anything. The, the movie's actually rated PG. Honestly, oh, is it really? Yeah, interesting. You, you know, with some of the content, you know, he he paints it real, real, uh, cleanly. Mm-hmm. When you think about the content, which we'll get into in just a minute, but in the depth and the the rottenness of what's right. happening, um, Malik does a good job making it very kind of kind of kind of uh, watered down in a sense. But but Kit goes to the dad and's like, and the dad's like, no, you can't. As a matter of fact, not only can you not be with my daughter, but Get out of here forever! Right, right. <laughs> um, that doesn't sit well. No. With Kit, he doesn't like being told what to do. It's funny though, because when he leaves, he's like, "All right, he it's he doesn't he's not it's for someone who eventually becomes a spree killer." Right. He's not really. He's not angry. Angry or confrontation? No, he in d- a sense, he he's just, not even
1: confrontational. No, he just doesn't. And and this is and, and this is kind of my theory with the, all the dead animals. And, you know, as he becomes a spree killer later, it almost feels like these people aren't any more. It's not any different than a dead animal on the side of the road. It just feels like it, it's just something to to look at, something they to can, do. Yeah, yeah. And so he's... and obviously, we can talk about that a little bit later. But it ju- he just he just he just kind of goes about his his. He just doesn't like when people try to put limits on him, and yes. as, he doesn't react violently or angry. Well, violently, but he doesn't he doesn't react in an angry way. He just kind of just deals with it however he sees
2: fit at that moment and deals with
1: the consequences later
2: because ultimately and I and just to jump backwards a hair he consummates the relationship with Holly yeah uh, before he goes and asks the dad about hey can I be so he's already had sex with her that seems kind of, and you don't of course you don't see any of it. it's all PG but like it's very funny afterwards I thought it was I mean we I laughed oh for sure because she goes was that it <laughs> <laughs> Is that what everyone, basically, is that what everyone talks about? He's like, yeah. Yep. Yep. And it was just like so. Just like everything else. Just no big deal. Felt, but it felt kind of natural. It felt right. kind of real. It didn't right. feel like they were trying to like spice up some romance. This wasn't Titanic. you No. Know? Yeah. And I loved that. I yeah. thought it was great. Um, and she was funny. The thing about Holly, too, is that even though she is a gullible and young, um, She's still kind of not afraid to speak her mind mm-hmm. in certain in, – in these moments of like, you know, he's, he's joking around with her and he's like, oh, you can't do that, stupid. And she's like, don't call me stupid. Do <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and, and this goes throughout the whole film. Like, she's always – she'll backbite a little bit for oh, being for a sure. young kid sure. who you think that you would kind of, quote, unquote, fall in line uh, to this guy that is older than you and you kind of get ooh and awe ah over she still kind of bites back well, a little. And there's even one part I in, love that.
1: in the narration that made me literally laugh out loud. Like I, I literally laughed when she said, you know, we got along pretty fine, You know, but then we'd have troubles and sometimes I'd want to see him drown in the river and watch him die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you
2: love him, but you want to watch him die. Yeah. That's funny. That's what I like about her is that ultimately her character is kind of, uh intriguing for being so young mm-hmm. you still uh there's a, there's an intriguing element to your character that you can kind of attach to definitely definitely know? but that is funny uh the contradiction of really loving him and then because she'll pl- uh, applaud him in one moment and right. then the next moment but that seems once again that's what i mean some of the ways that he's built the relationship between the two uh, i think malik does a good job at making it feel Real, because we've all felt that. Where you're like, one moment right. you're happy, and the next moment you're like, ah, well, drowned in the river. Isn't it the most
1: <laughs> simplistic way of of describing a relationship? Yeah,
2: the the the, the complete opposite right. of ideas. Because the spectrum.
1: If you're a kid, you don't understand. You you might not understand the nuances of. You know, I still love them, but they drive me crazy. It's yeah. like one second
2: they're they're perfect.
1: The next second you want to drown them in the river.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, but they've consummated the relationship. He's gone to the dad. The dad says, no, absolutely not. Um, And as a result of this thing, as the dad starts to figure out what's happening between Kit and Holly, he kills Holly's dog.
1: As punishment for seeing Kit. Yeah. That's brutal. It's it's brutal. Uh, I mean, I just don't even understand. Because the dad doesn't seem abusive. No. No. He seems like a, you know, just a, a protective parent who's worried about his 15-year-old daughter screwing around with a 25-year-old. Yeah. Which is understandable. Yeah. But then it's like, he shot my dog as punishment.
2: Yeah. Which is, it seems a bit drastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine doing that to your kids? No. No. Um, <laughs> but then again, if if my daughter was dating a 15-year-old, or sorry, a 25-year-old,
1: I might kill the 25-year-old. I might kill the 25-year-old. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to kill the dog. I'm not going
2: to kill the dog because it's my dog. <laughs> right, right. Um, but, yeah, it seems a bit drastic. But it, it's kind of – it. you know what? It, it's Malik's way also of, like we just kind of mentioned, it's his way of painting in death in a more morbid It's funny because I get – you almost get – now, later on, k- kill someone. We'll get into that. Mm-hmm. You're almost more – mortified about him killing the right, dog than right, you are the people, right. which is a not that I'm that kind of person, but
1: just the way that he does it. Well, the people, you can kind of see it coming. Yeah. The dog thing was just kind of thrown in there like, good, holy shit.
2: Good point. It's, it, it seems so abrupt and so off right, note. Right. Right. It, it was like, whoa, that didn't expect that. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but it's painted with death in its own way and using animals. And um, then, as a so after Kit gets the response from her father about no you can't you can't be with my daughter Kit doesn't listen. He politely walks off. He doesn't create a, right. a scuffle or anything. And then it, it goes to the scene of, of him that he's in the house and he's just packing he's in Holly's room, no one's home at the exact and he's just packing her clothes in a suitcase. It just he just kind of sneaks in just does it. And then it shows the father and Holly walk up the stairway and see him in the room right and he's just packing her clothes and you know what
1: the dad was quite a bit more calm than i think i would be too
2: yeah that was always he was
1: forceful it's not like he was okay with it no i would have lost my goddamn mind if he
2: was in the house
1: (laughs) packing her suitcase packing the
2: suitcase yeah i'd have lost my shit yeah for sure and and he does get forceful and he says look all right all right boy I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna call the authorities, you know. Yep. And and then it and then it Kit presents that he has a gun. It's always the gun coming into play. Yeah. Yep. You know? Kit presents that he has a gun and he's like, What you gonna do with that? You know? And then this dialogue ensues, and then the father ultimately goes back downstairs. He's gonna call the authorities and get 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 arrested mm-hmm. is his is his goal. And then this you can kind of see it coming a little bit, because he's already pulled the gun, he's already showed it. The gun's on the table, so to speak. Right. And the father goes downstairs and Kit runs right after him. And as soon as you know that Kit's following after him, yep. you know that something's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, boom, boom, he shoots the dead.
1: And to me, it kind of, I mean, I, you could see it coming, but it did escalate kind of fast because it was kind of like just a simple little love story. And again, I went into this thing totally blind. So I had no idea what it was about. And, uh, when he killed the dad it was it was just the fact that it went that far it was it kind of it was i don't want to say it was abrupt but it surprised me a little bit yeah
2: it did one thing before that too that i neglected to mention that i thought thought was just a weird contrast was that when the dad had said no and tried he tried to split split them up by giving holly clarinet lessons
1: oh yeah yeah
2: you know what i mean yeah so he's like here dad or here, Holly, take clarinet lessons and stop dating this 25-year-old. <laughs> I wasn't sure what That'll it fix it. That'll fix the problem. No problem. But, yeah, I think the death of the father, and it's weird, too, because to me, this is the one part. I think the acting throughout the film is really good. The yeah. characters feel believable. And that chemistry between the two of them, it it felt, I mean, Sp- Spacek and, and Sheen is great. Yeah. Um. But there is the one scene where, and I'm trying to figure out, maybe it was intentful or intentional and there was something deeper there that I wasn't gathering because once the dad's shot, Holly almost seems unremorse. Yeah. There's no like, and I know that they didn't have the greatest relationship. You could kind of tell. For sure, for sure. But they also didn't have the most distant relationship either. They just kind of sat in that middle ground. And it felt like if your dad had just been shot, there would have been more just distraught. Yeah,
1: it it and that was one thing I didn't quite understand because she wasn't happy, but she wasn't sad. It was just again, it's just like there's a dead animal on the side of the road, just like, oh well, I guess that happened.
2: And she also has this horrible line that she delivers when the dad gets shot. When she goes, Daddy, it's me, Holly. Oh, or yeah. something what, like that. What was the, I don't understand. What? Is it trying to display that she's so young she doesn't understand it death? Might, it might be. In that regard, or, did, or didn't didn't grasp the concept that her dad was now bleeding and dead? It might be. I just, it was, I thought this is the one moment, because I think Spacek kills it in the rest of the movie, the acting was just not on point.
1: Yeah, I don't know if that was a, a directorial thing or if it was a performance thing, but yeah, it didn't it didn't quite fit right. It didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um I don't quite get the point. I mean, because both of them are clearly unaffected by death later on. Like, they they clearly don't really care.
2: I would only say that she kind of comes out of it a little bit, more so than he does. For sure. Um, But you're right. Neither of them, uh, in the moments that things happen, are overly affected. Right. Yeah. Which is strange.
1: Well, even there's, you know, some lady asks her at some point, like, what's going to happen to us? She yeah. goes, oh, just have to ask Kit. Like you might, basically saying you might live, you might die. I don't know. Yeah, and just doesn't seem to care.
2: But it's also like she's relinquishing the control or mm-hmm. the feeling to Kit and yep. letting him make those kind of decisions. Sure. But the father-daughter relationship isn't that strong. But you'd think it would have been strong enough to for, yeah. for her to have more of a reactionary a response of of just of of craziness. Like I'd have sure. been, I'd been, but she just kind of goes with it. Yeah know in, a, in yeah. a way um killed my dad all right all right okay now what <laughs> Let's do we take do take care of it and then uh kit takes the body i want to say it's down in the basement take it down the basement or I is it the remember. garage i think it's but like, moves, i want to say the garage he moves the body either mm-hmm. to the basement or the garage um and then <laughs> which i also don't get and this must be with Malik films i'm always cuz you watch other his tree of life and the, there's so much subtext i'm like Mm -hmm. I might, I might just go over my head. Right. Right. Um, but he, uh, takes the father's body to the garage or to the basement and he comes back up and he has, (laughs) found a toaster. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I found the toaster. And you're like, and it may just go back to what you were alluding to earlier, which is like, I can kill someone. And then like, think about, Oh, here's the toaster. Maybe. Yeah. Like most obscure things that would seem insignificant oh that well and that's i think that's why he's such a
1: fascinating character to me because it's not i don't get the sense that he's a sociopath or mm-hmm. a psychopath like he doesn't enjoy it he's not a, you know a serial killer where he gets he gets off on it it's just thing it just happens it's just i don't quite understand what makes him tick yeah and killing someone is no different than finding a toaster in the basement or finding a dead dog on the street or finding a lady's you know Has to bill in the garbage.
2: Can you believe that I can tie this back into the loveless? Oh God,
1: here we go. Yes, I can believe it.
2: I'm gonna bring it up every time because the loveless character is supposed to do the same thing. There's emotion. There's no emotion. It's just kind of. But that character is not intriguing at all. No. Whereas in Badlands, when we start dissecting that, the way that he's put this together. He has a little bit of that, too. Like, okay, I just killed someone, but right, then I found right. a toaster. Like, oh, well. Right. But there's more intrigue to the way it's built. Exactly, exactly. So that's that's always – that's kind of a – And this is a real turning point, too, even, of course, for Holly, even though it does show her have some emotion. She cries mm-hmm. on the couch. And Kit basically is going to leave. Uh, he leaves that night. And before he leaves, he, he, he basically tells her, uh, you know – he gives her like an ultimatum in yeah. a sense. Like, yeah. you can call the authorities, but if you do, it won't be good for me. Right. And he's basically saying, if you call him, this is over mm-hmm. between us. And that's the one kind of thing where he does kind of, he's not very manipulative, I don't think. I don't think he's trying to be to But it be sounds like he is in that particular line because he's like... Or maybe he's just giving her the option. I don't know. I, to me, it just
1: seems like he's kind of giving her the option. Because he does care about her. Yeah. And I don't think he genuinely wants her to be hurt. And he just crossed...
2: But he can't console her.
1: Right. Exactly. So that's
2: that That's that emotionless, that right. loveless uh, ticker inside of For him. For sure. He, does, he doesn't have it. For sure. Um, but then he, he leaves. This is one interesting... I love how this is done in the character build because... When Holly's crying and Kit leaves her, and she's on the couch, and then it goes to this scene. She's walking uh, up the stairs, and she has a cigarette in her hand. Mm-hmm. And just the, the vibe of the cigarette in her hand, you know that now she, there's a maturity yeah. growth. Yeah. Even under this real crazy circumstance, she's now matured. Is it, isn't that interesting that one little detail... And he does it even more so in the neck as she walks into the room and she looks out the window and she sees the two kids her age roughly yep. playing in the gutter in the yep. side. And then it cuts back to her. So like I love that that painting, which is like she was those kids right. no more than thirty minutes before. Yep. And now it's shifted and now she's older and now she's different. And even though she's still a kid and she does kid things. She's now had to be, she's now been forced to turn into something more mature and older. Right. And I just love how he paints that. That's the one thing about some of, he paints these things and these images so well, and it's not so on the nose that it feels forced. It just feels right. And I think,
1: I think I could be wrong. One of those kids is Charlie Sheen. Oh, really? He's, he's an uncredited extras boy under the lamppost or something. Oh, like that has that. to be him. It has right? to be him. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Uh, we've had two movies now with Charlie Sheen cameos. Cameos, yeah. Bing John
2: Malkovich. <laughs> two very different cameos. I did not know this, And now, now Badlands. Yeah, exactly. Props well, God, down.
1: doesn't Martin Sheen look exactly like Charlie Sheen? He does. In you this, know what? Throughout this whole movie, I just kept thinking, "Jeez, that's this kid.
2: He does. You know what, though? But I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think Martin Sheen, if you go prime to prime, right. I think Martin Sheen has the, 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 the upper hand.
1: Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. Like if you took their
2: photos from 25 and 25. Right. And Charlie Sheen, when he was 25, was a good looking dude. But I think Martin Sheen's got the upper hand. I mean, they allude to it and I believe it. Like he does have that James Dean look to him. Totally. Totally. It's alluded to a couple times throughout the film. That's funny, though. Charlie Sheen under the lamppost. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I thought that was funny.
2: sounds like a short film.
1: Yeah, it does. God, God, I can't even imagine. We, we, we
2: should write a short film called Charlie Sheen,
1: Charlie Sheen under a lamppost. I don't think I want to see that one. And it's all the, you
2: know, but it's just the backstory about him on Badlands. No, I like that. <laughs> um, but this is a great scene. Now we know that that's that turning point, right? It's that thing that, that Holly is now in on this same road as Kit, and she's going to yep. take him, take the ride with him, Yep, basically. She's grown up. Um. It's funny because that, if you look, that grew, made her grow up faster than having sex. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the sex thing was whatever. This whole turning point now is, is changing. She, she, it's, it's, it's a whole different uh, life going forward. Um, I put it on my notes, the innocence lost. That's where she lost her innocence. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Even more so than the consummation of the relationship. Although that too.
1: I mean, murder is a pretty serious thing. She didn't seem to think sex was that big of a deal, so...
2: Yeah. <laughs> and it's not when you're, you know...
1: Well, plus it's the murder of her protector, her guardian. Yeah. Now she's out in this world by herself.
2: And the other thing there is now that, now that there is no dad, like, not in a weird, creepy way, but now Kit kind of has to be that yeah. figure.
1: And he absolutely is.
2: Mm-hmm. He goes and records... Uh, so when he left her to, to be by herself, he was actually going to some store to record a suicide note on a on a, uh, a vinyl record machine. Yeah, that must have
1: been a thing that that was in around. the late 50s yeah. or something uh, I, in, in the note, the note that he that he records into that thing. is pretty it's pretty dark. And I thought he was going to murder suicide her. Yeah, I thought he was going to go back and he was going to kill her and then kill himself.
2: He's also in his in his he kind of um amplifies his his character like he he talks about how they kind of liked it. Yeah. Like That's true. That's true. He's kind of painting a picture already and mm-hmm. we get this later on too. He's kind of painting a picture about you know, I said serial killer to my wife and you know how they kind of paint their pictures. They yeah. try to like the myth and the legends grow. Well, he's, they love it. They, he's he's they doing that it. in the record. For he's sure. Talking, he's trying to like build it already. Because I, one I, kill, he's already kind of puffing his and, chest and, up.
1: And we see, and I don't even think it's necessarily about the killing for him. Uh, we see later on that he just wants to be important. And I think he's seeing... I it, think
2: that's the big message of the film. Yeah.
1: And, and he's seeing an opportunity here to where he can actually mean something. He can actually be someone. And it doesn't matter if it's a good or bad thing. If he if he's known for doing good things or bad things, he doesn't matter. He just wants to feel important and well-liked and appreciated or well-known, I should say.
2: This is why I think it's so beautifully written because in the beginning, he's a garbage man. Yeah. And nothing wrong with that. But there's always that silly stereotype about, you know, he's aimlessly going. He's just a garbage yep. man. He doesn't mean anything to anybody ever. He picks up other people's trash. Right. Now, as he's kind of puffing his chest up in this recording, in this suicide note, he's feeling of importance, even if it's something as serious as death. Well, and Holly
1: even straight up told him, uh, my dad wouldn't want me being with the garbage a garbage man.
2: Yeah, at the very beginning.
1: Which automatically Which says undermines he's not important. Him. Right, mm-hmm. undermines him. So, yeah. I, that, yeah, that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to build himself up.
2: Um, and then he goes back to the house... With and grabs the gasoline and then you realize he's and then Holly comes in with the narration but you ultimately realize that it's they're trying to set it up and buy some time Mm -hmm. basically uh, burn down the house with that record playing outside on the front lawn or something right uh, uh, thinking that oh this will buy us some time that they think that it was a suicide Mm -hmm. right Um, but then he takes the lamp. Did you notice this? No, I didn't. So he's the fire's burning. He grabs a lamp. He's got a lamp, and I'm like, and I wrote in my notes like, why take the lamp? why take the lamp? What are you doing? Like I don't know. I didn't Why, why I go find a toaster? Yeah, that's <laughs> what I mean. But these are this is where Mallet gets inside my head because the littlest things, the toaster, the lamp. What right. does this mean? Right, right. It I, means something to him. I feel like it means something, and I'm just not capturing. Yeah, I'm it. sure it does.
1: To me, it just gives a little insight into his character. The guy's just a dullard. He just doesn't... He's fascinated by... He's just as fascinated by a toaster or a lamp as he is with killing
2: someone. Right. Um, and then they're they're off on the road. They basically are trying to elude authorities. They know that they've killed... Or that he's responsible for killing your father. And um, they go on this little Swiss Family Robinson... Yeah adventure out in the wilderness they basically build a fort
1: well and this is a part where i'm like come on like really now he's a master carpenter and he's building a tree house and and they're living off the land and well I was they're not like, doing a
2: very now admittedly they're not doing a very good job he's they're struggling to get by they're picking little things of fruit and like every time it shows him trying to fish in the river oh yeah he's like, failing, he's failing yeah, every time
1: yeah. but the way she, the way the narration paints it, is is if they're having this grand old time, except for the time she wants to drown him. Yeah, yeah.
2: But I think, <laughs> but I think also with that, it's 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 kind of alluding back to that first person narration where it is romantic in her mind. Like in her mind, they're on this extravagant thing. It's this for new sure. journey that f- seems completely unfamiliar, and the world's now changed. There's kind of that romanticized approach to it.
1: Well, and she's talking about how they're building tunnels and, you know, and this tree house, it's just elaborate and it's got different, like, I don't know, like rafters and he's building little, little hutches underneath where he can hide from cops and stuff. Like, yeah. what, what the fuck? If he's, if he's some master engineer, why isn't he out? Being an architect or something.
2: You're thinking too logically. It, I, well, this not is... everybody has the opportunity. Okay. <laughs> well,
1: this is the point where I was like, it lost me a little bit. It took me out of it a little bit because it's like these kids. I mean, he, he may be 25, but mentally he's a child. Mentally, he's a teenager, no older than a teenager.
2: He's her age.
1: Yeah, exactly. Mentally, exactly. And so you're telling me these kids are just going to run away and they're just going to be fine out in the woods. It lost me a little bit here.
2: I didn't mind that. I didn't mind that. Um, there's, there's a, there's a. I think it's completely plausible. Um, it's, it's strange. I not do that. It's strange. You got to be a fucking eagle scout.
1: Yeah. See, I'm not an eagle scout. So I got
2: you. You come with me. And we'll get it handled.
1: <laughs> Man, if the shit goes There's down a, and the internet doesn't work anymore, and I can't order my Grubhub, I'm gonna starve to death. <laughs> <laughs> I can't grow food.
2: I only talk a big game. That was that was 25 <laughs> years ago. I don't know shit now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's a timely thing, right? Like in the moment, I'd have been killing that shit. Yeah. And yeah. 25 years later, I haven't practiced anything. Right, right. So exactly, like, I don't even know right. how to tie a square knot anymore. Good point. <laughs> I don't all, even know what a square knot is. So you're ahead it's of all me. about practice. Yeah. And I don't have it anymore. But but it didn't bother me. But there's a film called um, uh, shit. Damn it, Kings of Summer. Okay. There's a film called Kings of Summer. It's about three kids. It came out uh, maybe a few years ago, three, four, five years ago. It's great, and they basically just 15, 16 year old kids just out there in the wilderness, and they and they build a like a, almost like a house, and it's just them living off the land even and kfc when they go (laughs) right right but like it's cool my point is i think it's plausible for them to be out there although he is exceptionally i see i think i get what you're saying which is more the intellect which is like yeah yeah um not everybody has the opportunity to be a fucking architect no
1: and i understand that i'm not saying that but the guy's an idiot
2: yeah, and then the he has all these elaborate
1: contractions. Right, right, yeah. exactly.
2: And that's what I meant about Swiss Family Robinson. Like, it did feel... It totally did. You know, all of a sudden, they were, like, all, on an island, <laughs> in this case, the wilderness, and, like, they got an organ in a tree. Right, And they're playing yeah, with it, exactly. you know, it's, it's that and whole... they're sleeping life.
1: naked in the treehouse. Yeah, And just exactly. catching fish, and...
2: Everything's comfy, cozy. Exactly. Uh, but it is, I think he's just really, for me at least painting up the romanticism of it. The idea is that like two kids in love, because she even says in part of the narration, she says one week with the one you love is better than years of loneliness. Sure. Like, so that's what they're, he's trying to allude to this moment that's happening between the two of them. And I love it. It's, it's still, what I love about it too, is like good transitions. So Mm -hmm. like nice and mainly, during this part, he uses a lot of montage to create those transitions between scenes. Right, right. And I love how he did that. I mean, just really, really well done. Like a lot of beautiful shots of wilderness or like interesting bugs or like things mm-hmm. that are out there using a quick montage to go into the next scene. And I loved how he did that technically. I thought it was great. Um, although he's kind of like, one, one thing that is funny is that is that Kit's character is like running around with that gun, the rifle. Yeah like a like a maniac
1: see this is what i'm talking about
2: i mean it's it's a bit of, that's a little bit lord of the flies for me he's just it like it ah. felt like lord of the flies yeah, yeah. um but it's funny
1: like with first it works for his character
2: and also in, now I, I was alluding to the montages which i think are really well done and then there's this weird montage of them dancing you know with their yeah, feet yeah and you hear the music and it felt very hippie esque. Yeah, totally i think it was to the times of the 70s right um but he's running around like a maniac trying to catch fish. He with the gun in his hand. He, he's he, there's one there's one scene where he just completely loses his mind and he's trying to catch a fish and he pulls the pistol out oh and starts shooting the river. It's
1: just see that seems more like him than building a, a crazy yeah. treehouse.
2: Yeah, there is a little bit of uh, yeah. contradiction in that portion of the character. But as a result of him just like shooting three or four times across the river, some guy comes out and is yeah. like, he can hear the, so he comes out and sees the two of them. Right. And that's kind of a giveaway. For sure. So basically now um, the idea is that they've found busted they're busted. Busted. And uh, <laughs> this is where the, the kind of the subsequent scene is basically there. Uh, she's out there doing her thing, picking berries. I don't know what it was. Uh-huh. And he's up in the tree and he notices these group of guys coming with some some rifles, some guns. And he does this like caca thing. He's like, ah! <laughs> it's like some That part to me was the only part that made me laugh. And not in a f- way that was meant to be right. laughed at. Right, right. But I just <laughs> I just thought it was funny that like they had created this code. They have this whole escape plan yeah.
1: already planned out. He did, he yeah, did. He did. He
2: did. <laughs> Once again, very elaborate. For someone who initially you think doesn't have a whole lot of intellect. <laughs> I mean he,
1: he goes full Rambo and goes under the under the leaves and has, has a trap door so he can hide from the from these dudes.
2: And right before that, one thing I wanted to say too is there's a stereo octagon. It, there's a montage. It's the 3D um, thing. Uh, Holly's looking at this little, contraption it's a stereo octagon it's basically like a 3d it's like the first 3d tool and you can put photos on there and then push Mm -hmm. them further away and it kind of creates an illusion of three dimensions and while she's doing that and the reason it's important is first i have a stereo octagon do you really fucking awesome
1: nice from 1904 oh holy shit yeah it's badass don't break it
2: um i got it from my my great grandpa um And it's cool. And so it reminded me of that. But then really what's interesting, she's fantasizing. And because the Stereoctagon is, uh, she's looking at photos of like Paris and all these elaborate world traveler places. And she's fantasizing about the future life without Kit. Right. (laughs)
1: right that's a good point
2: (laughs) which i thought was so funny
1: well she knows i mean she knows this isn't forever at this point yeah she knows
2: and 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 good on her that's the one thing she's not so disillusioned that she doesn't realize that this is not going to be it's going to be it's not going to be a forever thing
1: and i don't even necessarily think she realizes because it's going to end in either going to jail or dying i just think it's like oh she's not the man for
2: me yeah she knows because she even talks about what her husband will be right, like right. and all these kind of things. I wonder,
1: you know, is my husband, my future husband thinking about me right now? Like yeah. it's, you can tell. And she's kind of growing up while he's just staying stagnant. Yeah. She's kind of growing up throughout this whole thing. She's
2: maturing even more and also kind of a young romantic in a, in a, yeah, in a good way. Yeah, for sure. But then we'll jump. I just thought that was an interesting scene. And I liked how he put it together. He kind of builds a convention there too because later he builds another montage. He builds a montage with the Stereo Octagon. With all the worldly pictures mm-hmm. as she fantasizes. And later, he uses that Sapia tint similarly when they're talking about all the authorities out there looking for them. And it's built in a similar fashion with the montage, and it's a cool convention. It, to feel, do.
1: it feels kind of like a little fantasy thing. Yeah,
2: exactly. And it, so they match. Right. Because the conventions.
1: You would built. have thought the Russians were invading, and like we, we were, were so wanted that everyone's looking for us. Yeah. And kids are being out sent out to recess under armed guard.
2: Right. Yeah. And the technique, I just like that he's built that convention. For sure. Um, and I even put that in my notes. I put Malik as is an, is an, is an artist of imagery and sound to push story. Mm-hmm. I just think he's so, – like it takes a certain technique and a certain intuition inside on how to do things and when to do them and how to place them. And being an editor, you understand this, which is like how everything's exactly positioned and every frame counts and all those – what you show, when you show, how you show – and I think he's a master at that. So it's no, it's no, um, no question that he would have been the guy, the fire's editor and do it absolutely. <laughs> also you get the, at this point really, cause now those bounty. So, uh, back to the kaka. <laughs> <laughs> so Holly's out there doing her thing. And then Kit sees the, they essentially, we find out they're bounty hunters. Yep. And they've, they realize that it's, Kit and Holly, and so they're coming after him with rifles. Were they
1: all bounty hunters, though? I
2: don't know that they all were, but it, it was alluded like one to. One or two of
1: them were a cop.
2: It was alluded to that they were bounty hunters mm-hmm. from the voiceover that Holly gives later,
1: because Kit told her that they yeah, were. Yeah, because hunters. Kit said so.
2: Right. Up for discretion on whether Kit right. would tell her the truth or not, <laughs> but and by the way, so 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 she he tells her to run. The plan is for her just to run. He'll stay back and fight these guys off, and he jumps in this contraption underground that folds over and no one can see him and at the right time when they approach him he can pop up and shoot him yep by the way kit he's a hell of a shooter he is
1: man he he hits his target almost every time
2: he's like he's like a he's a dead IED. he like he can he can hit them he's a dead he's a he's a marksman yeah um it's like ralphie in a christmas story Well, and see, he's just taking these out. Exactly. He's like, okay, Black Bart, you know, he's just taking, there's like four or five guys. Oh yeah. And he's just like, boom, boom, boom. Easy. No problem. And also what kind and I'm not, I, I, I'm not a huge gun guy. I mean, I have a gun, but I'm not a gun fanatic. Mm -hmm. What gun is he using? I have no idea. It it looks to me like a 22 rifle. Yeah. I just thought it was some sort of rifle. That's a, that's a, it it could kill you, of course. Mm Mm-hmm. But in the right but a twenty two rifle also has less chance of, of of actually not killing you too because it's not a massive gun. It's not a shotgun. Okay. It's right, not a big right, gun. Right. Uh if it hits in the right spot, it may not. So he's just blowing dudes out with a little it looks like a twenty-two rifle. But and the reason I say that is because he's a dead aim. If he's taking dudes oh, dude, he's out. He's nailing guys throughout the whole movie. Well, oh, we get the the later one that really gives it away is on the on the, the desert plains on the farm. Yeah, yeah. When the dude's, his his buddy Kato's running away. And he's like, boom, and he's like <laughs> 100 <laughs> yards away.
1: Well, even on this one, uh, one of the, I, I think one of the cops is running into the grass or something, and he just stops, he's chasing after him, he just stops.
2: Yeah. And just nails him just right nails him. perfectly. Yeah, he's a great shot. Yeah. Um. But what ends up happening is Holly's run off, and now now uh Kit's killed everyone. Four or five bounty hunters.
1: Yeah. Like it's nothing.
2: This is where it becomes that vibe of like the Bonnie and Clyde thing. Mm -hmm. Because now it's become a spree. Like before it was just dad and they were trying to hide out from that. And now he's killed four or five other people. It almost
1: feels like it takes it to another level. Because again, I went in blind. I I just figured from after they killed the dad, they would just be kind of on the run and have to get out of precarious situations. I didn't realize he was going to kill everyone. I had no idea.
2: And it goes back to that idea of like he just... And he just takes them out like they're animals. Yeah. There's no humanistic quality to right. it. He just moves forward. Doesn't necessarily enjoy it, but doesn't dislike but doesn't, it. He, he And she even says that. Like, he even says, like, I kind of didn't want to do that. Right. But right. oh well. I mean, there are
1: obstacles in in his path, and he needs to <clears throat> take care of it.
2: So now Bonnie and Clyde are on the run. Yeah. Basically is, is how it's kind of set up in the story. And um, they go to try to hide out at the next spot. Mm-hmm. And the next spot is Cato, and Cato is uh, uh, jumping back to the beginning scene. Is the guy that said he wouldn't eat the dog? Oh, is that Cato? Yeah. Okay. That said he wouldn't eat the dog for uh, wouldn't eat that for one dollar, yeah, maybe yeah, two. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't say that, but you <laughs> right. can kind of he insinuated it. And he lives out now on a on a on a some kind of uh, isolated farm. Mm-hmm. Um, and they go there. Somehow he knows that's where Cato lives. And uh, Kit and Holly go out there and that's where they're gonna hide out. He also he brings Cato a chicken as an offering. I know, it's strange. But maybe that's it, what you did in the fifties. I don't know. It could
1: be, but again, it's more of the animal it's stuff. Not
2: like mass uh, you know, agriculture and mass production of like it's right. a different time. You know right. what I mean? Maybe that's what you did is like maybe. eggs and chicken and like that's It could be. I mean this is kind yeah. of rural country. But I mean, even, but even was, in the 50s like like today like right, we'll just, we'll go to the store. Right. Like it just wasn't quite even the, no. I mean you had the store but it wasn't the same thing.
1: Well and it's when they were living in their treehouse, I mean they had a chicken in a little cage. Yeah. And um again talking about dead animals, uh Holly comes out and says one of the chickens died. I almost stepped on it. Yeah. And it's just
2: more it's more, just more animal, animal death. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. he brings a chicken as an offering. Yeah. To Cato, his his garbage man or garbage buddy. Cato's a little bit suspect I think. What's he doing? They go they start to walk out away from the house towards the field. But I don't get what they're doing. Where are they going? I, I don't remember. I don't know. I don't understand the concept, but yeah. they start walking away and then as they're walking away um Cato No, they have no they have lunch first. They have like a little yeah, lunch. Yeah. They do eat. And she tells and that she weird tells joke. she tells the joke. It doesn't land. But Cato laughs. Cato laughs. laughs. And then Kit's like, is that funny? He's like, I guess. He's like, isn't that funny? I guess.
1: After he's laughing his ass off. Um, I like Cato, actually. Yeah, he's, I a liked little, him.
2: he's a little podunk. Yeah, yeah. But that's fine. I just love these idiots, man. They're so funny. But after that, it doesn't carry a whole lot of significance to me other than they share a meal. Mm-hmm. And then after that, they start walking out to the field. They're talking about past times, whatever. And then there's a little separation between Holly, Kit and Kato. And then Kato kind of starts falling. He's gradually falling back even mm-hmm. further and almost kind of starting to, to jog almost backwards, going to go away. He's just, I, I guess he assumes something or he knows now he knew. I don't. It, it,
1: it, he must have known. It sounded to me, or it looked to me, and I don't know, like he was trying to sneak away and call the cops.
2: Yeah. So he must. But that's he must have known that Kit yes, was. Yeah. He must have he on must the have. run, yeah, and he had heard sure. about. He knew about the dad, but he must have known about the bounty guys too. Yeah. And for sure. For sure. Because as soon as he starts running off, this is where we get another another marksman shot. Right. Because it's like forever. Freaking it's American so, sniper over here. Yeah. Exactly. Jeez. No question. He takes out Kato, he shoots him, and Kato finds his way back to the house. He's not dead, he's yeah. just been shot basically in the chest. And he goes back to his house and lays down on the bed. Yep. And slowly dies.
1: And again, I mean, this is a friend of his, of Kit. So you would think if there was one person that he killed that he would feel bad about, it would be Kato. But he doesn't really right. feel bad about it. I mean, it's too bad he died, but, you know, whatever, it happened. It happened, he was gonna, he was gonna rat on us, so we had to take him out.
2: And then there's this uh, he's he's in there dying or dead, and then some some random associates or friends of Cato show up to the house a man and a woman and they're asking for Cato. And uh, Kit meets him outside and they're like, Hey, hey we came to see Cato, and he's like, Yeah, he's sick, can't come <laughs> out, you know. Well, he told us to stop by today, and we'd like to go inside and see him. Yeah, I can't let you do that. Yeah. And then once again, this is where you start. Now, I mean, he's definitely a spree killer. He pulls his gun out again, and he's like, look, can't let you do that. You, don't, you get the vibe that he doesn't want to kill those people either. Right. You know what I mean? So he leads them out there, and he, he takes the man and the woman far out into this field, and then there's like a, it looks like some kind of tornado um, what would it be called, like a shelter where it's underground? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he tells him to get inside. And they get inside, and then he locks the- It's So funny to me. He, he locks the- And even this is where you were saying before, like the woman asks on the way over there, like what happens to us now because right. he's got him at gunpoint. And basically Holly's like, I don't know, whatever Kit wants. Yeah. <laughs> She's almost a little void too at yeah, that point. Yeah, yeah or at least familiar enough with the idea of death that it is what it is. Right. And they get into this tornado shelter and he locks it <laughs> and then he pulls it. And so you think, oh, he's, he's actually going to let him go. Right. Without any kind of, he's just going to lock him in there and right. maybe there's the potential they'll get out. And then he pulls the pistol out and sticks it through the, the doorway of the shelter and shoots like three or four times randomly. Then runs out back to Holly and's like, "You think I got him?" He goes, "You think I got him?" It's like a little kid pulling legs off an ant
1: or something. It's yeah, just, it's very
2: torturous. It's weird. It's we- weird. I don't get it. But this is where his character—it's just spiraling down. Yeah. And you definitely get the idea that there's a lot of psychosis going on.
1: Well, for sure, because he says, "You know, do you think I got him?" She goes, "I don't know." And he goes, "Well, I'm not. I'm not going down there to find out.
2: Let's get out of here." It's he like, needs, steals their car. You basically. have
1: the gun, dude. Like, what? What are you doing? I just don't get it.
2: Yeah, I don't. I, uh, I think he's also kind of getting off on it now. That's what I mean. Is that he before with the bounty hunters, he kind of had to take him out, otherwise right. they'd have probably shot him or done right. whatever. These guys, he had it, and and with Cato, even he didn't want him to, whatever, te- right? Telegraph back to the authorities that he was there. But with these two, he had them locked in the cellar. It's almost so, like
1: now he feels like a real outlaw. Like no, now it's getting real. Like it's now, gamey
2: though. It's gamey. Yeah. It's like, okay, now I'm having fun.
1: It's like, I'll, I'll play with them a little bit. And like, it, it's almost like this is what Bonnie and Clyde would do,
2: right? They would, they would exactly. do something like this. Yeah. It's the outlaw it's starting to come out. Right, right. And um, and so, and, and this is also where she starts to, and she's already kind of started, but essentially there's this digression on her part where she's like man this is i gotta she starts to slow and it and it builds nicely but i think this is the starting point and later on you start to really see how separate she comes and how she wants to separate herself from kit um but i think that's a definite sign to her he just shoots down the cellar No, they they still so they end up stealing these their car, but that, this is where they go to the rich house, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right.
1: <clears throat> and then Terrence Malick make, makes his cameo.
2: Is he a cameo in there? Yeah, he's the I guy who notice. comes
1: to the door at the fancy house, and uh, he's like, a, you know, so and so here. Well, he's sick. He's down sick. Well, he called me yesterday. You know, it's the dude who's saying. Well, oh yeah, he so me let's yesterday. explain.
2: Yeah, so before we even get to there, they show up. And you hear a narration from Holly talking about how Kit thought it would be a good idea to go to a rich man's house yeah. instead of going to this, the, the, the town yeah. to get yeah. groceries. And so they go to this house, they knock on the door, and the, it's this nice home. And the maid answers and lets him in because she's a mute. Yeah. And, That's
1: very strange.
2: And uh, lets him in, and then he basically holds him up, and he kind of lives – it's fantastical that way. The idea mm-hmm. is that he's like trying to live this life of uh, importance and this life of uh, wealth.
1: And you could tell from the second they walk in that they're they're going to enjoy it here. I almost thought they were going to set up camp and kind of... I
2: thought they were going to stick it out longer, yeah, too. Yeah, me too. For I sure. Did. And um, yeah, he kind of likes it. And he actually goes to a... While they're there, so there's a maid and then, of course, the owner of the home, mm-hmm. this rich this rich fellow... And this is interesting too, because in contrast to what happened before, uh, Kit actually, and, and I'm jumping the gun a little here, but he actually doesn't kill the maid. Right right. or the owner of the home. right. Um, but he does lock him in like a pantry. Which is
1: interesting. At this point, you would think, who cares?
2: Yeah, I mean, it. it it's kind of an interesting decision. I'm not sure what, what it's trying to say about his character. Well, story, I'm not sure,
1: so sure he even... It, like, with the people in the tornado cellar or whatever whatever it is, I don't think that he really even wanted to kill them because if he wanted to kill them, he would have just killed them. He just yeah. wanted to play around with them a little bit. Yeah. That's why I felt like a little kid playing with bugs. Yeah. Uh, and with these guys, I don't think he enjoys the killing. Yeah. Um, because then he would have killed these people too.
2: It's almost like he's just playing with, like a kid playing with food.
1: Yeah, it, yeah, it's kind of what. I don't it, it really want to eat like. it, but right, right. I, like it's just a. Like he had to kill the the cops or the bounty hunters. He had to kill the dad because that was an obstacle. But these other people aren't really obstacles, so he's not outright just going to murder
2: them. Right. So it almost shows a an interesting sense of, I don't want to say compassion but
1: yeah and it's not morality it's not
2: compassion it's not morality but there's something there I Can't right, think of the right. word and, and it shows that he's um, not completely
1: hollow as a human being
2: but right before he puts him in the pantry and then lets him uh lets him uh go or, or leaves him alive i should say um he got, he's having fun there and they have this dictaphone it's where you're speaking yeah. to and it's recording and once again he's re- he's recording like words of wisdom you listen to him. He's like, he's it's he's talking about like listen to your parents, kids. Yeah, listen to your teachers. They most of the time they know what they're talking oh about. Oh my god! Like all these things that were quote unquote words of wisdom, and and then at the end of that, all that stuff he just is like. But we had fun. <laughs> it's 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 kind of interesting because it's almost like he's keeping, you know, he's got the one with the final recording device, mm-hmm. and then he's got this dictaphone. And, and he's like actually recording- He's trying to keep a record a of what's record. going on. He's trying to live up- He's to trying this. to immortalize himself. Exactly,
1: exactly. He's trying to build himself up as a super important criminal. And he's got a word of wisdom to the
2: kids. And then he uh, he gives, I guess he gives them- Before that too, he also gave the maid like a grocery list to go get groceries in town and bring them back, right? And so- after he's ready to let him go, and he's walking out, he's like, "You should keep that grocery list and sell it as a souvenir." Oh my god! Because it has his handwriting yeah, on yeah. it. Yeah. And I was like, "He really is beefing this up," he and he totally is. It's um, it's interesting. It's a real. It's kind of. Fun. I mean, for a movie, it's a fun character to watch, as he goes from nothing into to growing into this. Not egotistical, I wouldn't say, but very confident.
1: Oh, definitely. Well, I think he's been confident. Comp- he the has whole the time.
2: whole time, but even more so now. Like it's increased from what right. it was before. He's
1: become he he fancies himself a celebrity at this point,
2: right? And th- that's what we're going to get into on my final thesis. Um, and then they're basically on the road, so they leave. He doesn't kill the the maid or or the owner, and they hit the road. And then it's just this kind of sequence of events of them traveling along. Um, talking about how they're going over, like they're staying off the main roads and they're basically eluding uh, all the authorities and then that montage that we talked about earlier mm-hmm. uh, where it's kind of like a newsreel montage in a sepia tint that talks right. about how everyone's after them and it's this world, or not this world, it's this uh, nationwide manhunt right, to right. find them. And
1: They're so scary and dangerous that yeah. children and old ladies are terrified to go outside yeah, type yeah. of thing. Yeah. Very dramatized. Yeah.
2: And they're really just on their way to the Badlands. They're in the middle of nowhere in, in Northern America, on the from South Dakota to Montana, and they're just driving through the oil fields and all the different yep. ranches and all the, and staying off the road and uh, getting gas uh, from uh, drip gas, I guess is what it's called. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that but was there, a thing. There's like the the oil rigs that are that are pulling oil from the fields, and there's sometimes there's excess gas that drips off the pipes getting it from there there she even talks about how they were they would hit cattle or he, he once in a while he would hit a cattle yeah. with his car and that's how they ate they'd fry up <laughs> they'd fry up the cattle so <laughs> then there's this funny mon- as there's this is these sequence of events are happening this is a funny montage and this whole time it's narration with holly and she's kind of once again in a journal fashion going mm. over the routine of what's happening through the whole thing. And I actually like it. I think it's well put together. Sometimes voiceover can throw you off or it doesn't Mm -hmm. fit right. And I think sometimes it's a little too convenient. It's too convenient, but this fits into it really nicely. Definitely. And then there's this shot of him shooting a football and yeah. What did he
1: say? Oh God, it was something funny. I can't remember the line. God, it was funny though. Just everything about, about his character is hilarious to me.
2: Now, this whole time, too, Holly starts to divulge in these uh, these kind of diary-like voiceovers, the first-person narration, uh, that she wants to get out of this thing. Mm-hmm. She's slowly and surely even more and more confident about how, in some ways, they're growing apart, or even more her than him. She's growing apart from him. She's not really uh, as infatuated as she was before. Right. She's starting to get a better grasp and understanding about what's really going on in terms of who he is and she kind of wants to get out of it um she can't wait to leave for good yeah. she's like i'm out of here she's itching <clears throat> she's itching and during the, all this too there's like these these sequence of events where all this is transpiring this is once again where the cinematography is beautiful yeah it, some of the sunset shots and like just i mean from filmmakers perspective, just gorgeous shots.
1: Well, and I haven't seen any other Terrence Malick films, but I'm—he's very famous for for the cinematography and the gorgeous images. It almost feels like this kind of country was made for someone like him to come along and just and capture and it. just capture it. Yeah, because it's gorgeous.
2: Because there's a this one. I mean, there's a few of them, but there's this beautiful shot um, as they're leaving, and it talks about them as they're leaving South Dakota, and it's the campfire. And they're out in the campfire. Mm. And then the next shot is this shot of the moon. Yeah. I mean, just really beautiful beautiful images. Those are not easy images to capture. No, Uh, And he does so good at it. And Um, to do
1: it with three different cinematographers too. Three different DPs. Three
2: different DPs. And so anyway, this sequence of events happens. And they're on their way. They're trying to get to Montana, essentially. They want to get away from everything. And maybe the idea is that Kit can find a job uh, and kind of go undercover so to speak or what's the word find an alias to work as somebody else and not be who he is just this idea
1: that they're just going to disappear into society
2: well she even she even tells him like they're going to ask for your id yeah he's like i'll worry about that
1: (laughs) well and that's kind of his philosophy in life right like it's just i'll just i'm going to do this and i'll worry about what happens later
2: exactly and 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 so they're on their way to my but this one other thing i wanted to note here is like throughout the music's kind of been random. Mm-hmm. Did you notice yeah, that? Yeah. There's some random selections of music all the way through, like certain styles and genres here, and then certain styles and genres here, and just kind of a lot of variety that like, lends itself into some inconsistencies uh, in terms of, <laughs> of, of, of what's going on. I right. mean, beautiful imagery, stories, good characters are good. Everything's good. The music, though, is a little... I was unsure. Disjointed. I was disjointed. For sure. I was unsure. For sure. And it was, I guess, more noticeable during this sequence of events as you're going through her narration from South Dakota to Montana. Um, what What I find? Did you notice this? He keeps promising Holly food.
1: Yeah, he's gonna get her a steak a dinner. Steak dinner.
2: He's gonna get her a salmon, like trout. Yeah, on he's eat, gonna trout. catch her a trout. Nice catch nice her trout. A trout. Yep. And she's like, "What are you talking about? <laughs>
1: she." I, is that his idea of success? I just don't. I don't understand. To be able to go and get a steak dinner.
2: I don't know. I, I don't know. Once again, we. I say this again. Malik's doing something. I don't know what it is. If I don't like, maybe he's subtextually talking about something else.
1: I'm sure he is. I'm sure
2: he is. Can we talk about the awkward kissing scene? Which one? The one when they're this sequence of events is they're traveling from South Dakota oh, to Montana, yeah, yeah. and they're <laughs> yeah. they're in the car. They're in the car. It's like, w- this is really awkward. The, it
1: felt, which is interesting because they had a lot of chemistry throughout this whole thing. But this is the one part where it just didn't feel, it almost felt like in The Loveless where they're in the motel room. And it was just an awkward position.
2: Yeah. It, it they just felt- didn't seem into it. This is where the chemistry up to this point has been great. Like they have right. a cool dynamic, but then the one part, where they're supposed to have even more, ki- just like, it, the kissing was weird.
1: It, it didn't feel right. It didn't feel right. They're not
2: good kiss. Like, it didn't yeah. feel right. Yeah. Um, and all the other thing I want to say in this sequence, once again, is he's leaving time capsules.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's which right. Which I
2: actually loved. I loved that he was so into his own grandeur and own self. Right. That everywhere he go, he'd, like, get a tin can and put, like, little... Um, uh, um, what are they called? Like knickknacks and little knickknacks and things, and he'd put them in a tin can and kind of bury them. He was leaving time, almost essentially time capsules. And in Holly's first-person narration, she talks about how, you know, if people find it, it'll be worth like it'll be something. Right, someday. right.
1: Well, like people might come back a thousand years from now and yeah. dig it up, and wouldn't that be something? Yeah.
2: And it's just it's th- yeah. th- these
1: are kids like dreaming. They're they're having dream. It's just it it's the whole thing is just if you gave kids guns and a car and just let them go wild
2: and also she alludes to what's out there as they're driving across the country and talking about how cheyenne had bigger and better lights than she'd yeah. ever seen yeah and so you really get a more context of where they're from right So cheyenne's not a big city yeah now that it's small small but it's not like bigger bright lights if that's the biggest city you've ever seen you have not seen any you cities. haven't seen any right. cities um but I think part of the time capsule thing too is that I think at this point for me he's so caught up in it all he be, he's 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 delusional. Oh, definitely. Like definitely. He, he's for always sure. been a little off. We get that, but like now it's increasingly so that he's building his own celebrity that there's delusion. He's he's
1: created a narrative that he wants to believe so badly that he's he's caught up in it and he believes it full full force. Yeah, and he he's kind of. At the beginning, she was convinced of it too. But the more she's maturing, the more she's seeing that it's bullshit. Yeah, and he just can't get out of that bubble.
2: He can't get out of it because he still likes her the same way he did at the beginning. Yeah, and now, and it's evident through her narration that she's obviously growing apart from that. And he's so he's not just delusional to their relationship, but just delusional to his own his own self and being. He's just he's just. She's more independent, and he's almost in some ways he he wants her to still be attached to her to him. Oh,
1: definitely, and even even the way they approach life, she's a dreamer. Like she's a dreamer. She wants to go and visit all these cities and do all these things, and he doesn't know what's going to happen ten minutes from now. Yeah, he's a yeah, and yeah, so yeah. it just it, it it is cool to see her kind of grow, outgrow him. Yeah, it's it's fun to see this moron kind of get lost in the dust. Yeah,
2: and this comes to to clear uh decision when she uh, after they've gone through this whole sequence of events driving from one place to the next and they go to they're running out of gas and they run across somebody in now they're in montana and they're they're out there in the badlands and they run across some guy and he kit's like i need gas for the car and the guy's like you know i'm not gonna give you any gas and kit's like this is uh this okay i'll trade you my car I'll trade you for a you, year, my car, you know my cadillac and he's and and the guy's not having it and then we hear this chopper we hear the chopper and essentially uh the authorities have have tracked him down him. through the chopper and he, he 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 basically says something to the fact of like i knew it was going to be today yeah and he's almost excited
1: uh but she also mentioned something in the uh in the narration about about dying where he says something he, he knows it's going to end with dying or something along those lines. Yeah. And so, yeah, he's excited because he's, this is his moment.
2: He's excited. Um, and so he runs behind as the, as the helicopter's coming in, he runs behind the truck and she runs with him and he's like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And this is where, like we were saying before, she's basically like, no,
1: she's like, I I'm, I'm going to stay.
2: I'm going to stay. I'm done running. Yeah. I'm done being part of this. And he's a little bit, he gets pissed.
1: This is the first time we've seen him really show any emotion.
2: Because he, he, he even comes out from the truck. He's yeah. kicking the dirt, punching, throwing air. I thought he air, was going to hit her. Air punches. He's mad.
1: Yeah, he's angry.
2: He's furious. And then his plan is like, fine, if you're leaving, he's still holding on to hope that she'll change her mind. Because he gives her a plan of where to meet him.
1: Which is interesting because this is the first plan he's had.
2: Yeah, otherwise, it's just kind of driving to Montana and hoping you can get a job. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Uh, yeah. It, what was it? 1968, meet me here on New Year's Eve? Yeah. It, it's just interesting. It's like, it's just- It was very specific. You still can't give up on the
2: dream of being with her, like being a Bonnie and Clyde. And I loved how this ended because it didn't end Bonnie and Clyde like where they both just get shot out. The whole time I was expecting that to happen. I kind of though. thought it was, but I liked that she's like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. She, yeah. Cause it, you kind of want that from the beginning. Cause right. in the beginning you're like, don't do, don't, don't just, go on a walk with him. Please go, for the love of God. Exactly. Yeah. He's 25. You're right, 15. Exactly. Go black and throw your baton. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Damn it kid. Um, so you're, you're kind of, uh, supportive of the decision that she's like, finally, boom, she's not going to keep going on yep. this charade that he's taking her on. So he goes out there, he, he gives her the, 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 the plan. And then he goes out there and jumps in a car in the car and Because he kills a, uh, well, that's right, that's right. Because the, kele- the the chopper lands, right, and then he runs for it. She's hiding behind the truck. He runs out for it, and one of the authorities jumps out with a rifle, starts shooting. They're doing a little shoot off, and this is the first time I see him miss one shot. Except for he nails that. Author- he cop. He does,
1: but he, he shoots at him one time and misses, Mi- and then hits him.
2: But even then, I was I I looked over at my wife and I was like, he had a six shooter. <laughs> And he nailed this cop from a hundred yeah, yards yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Like it was a, right. that you, that's when you know, he's a, he's a dead eye. Yeah, exactly. That's a hell of a shot. He missed his calling. With a, <laughs> takes the, takes the cop out cold. He's dead. The other cop, the pilot jumps out, goes and checks on it. But in the meantime, Kit, Kit jumps in the car and starts speeding off. Yep. And, uh, and, and then, and then Holly basically uh, comes out, hands in the air. Like I surrender. That's it. She's done. She's like, I'm over. Yeah. I'm not going to try to do anything too crazy. And this is fun because I love I love how he did this. If this budget was only $300,000, I don't know how he filmed such a cool car chase scene.
1: Yeah, I was wondering cuz there's a part where I thought it was cool. They make a a quick turn. He makes the turn, but the cop car tilts and then comes back over. And it's done in one take. I don't know how he did it.
2: It might have just been lucky, but I just mean the whole way, everything, how it's shot, how they edited and it. was great, too. And how it was put together, yeah. like, beautifully done uh, in the car chase. And I thought, okay, for sure. So now the, 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 the police are after him. They're on an old dirt road in the middle of nowhere. It's just two cars. One car's been tipped over. Mm-hmm. The other car's following. And I love how this goes down. It went down the way I would never have expected. I didn't. I thought, okay, it's going to be a shootout. Right. Something's going to happen to the car. It's going to continue to run out of gas. Whatever it might be. I love that he uh, is in the car. He looks in the mirror, in the rearview mirror, and kind of like looks at himself, uh, uh, kind of in in a, in a vote of confidence right. of who he is, and then puts on the hat. Yep. The puts on the hat like okay I I am James Dean yep <laughs> yep I'm James Dean I'm driving my car I'm running from authorities I'm James Dean and so but then it's kind of interesting because he basically stops the car
1: he I it's, I don't think it's that he's tired of running it's time for him to get his notoriety
2: that's what it is exactly he stops the car because as soon as he gets out of the car he's got the hat on he's kind of prepping himself yep. trying to make him. And then he starts building a monument of rocks. Which is hilarious. Be- I loved
1: it. He shoots He shoots the tire because he wants to say he got a flat tire. Yeah. And he builds the monument of rocks to say that's what busted my tire. But if the car had hit that, they would not be stacked No, he didn't up-
2: build the monument of rocks to say the, the tire. He said, he. this is what I love about it because he got out of the car and, and shot the tire. And then when he was building the monument... He was like, this is where they caught me.
1: Oh, is that what it was? That's interesting because I thought he said to the cops, like, this is why you caught me. But he said, this is where you this caught me. This is where you caught that me. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Okay. Which I love. Okay. It makes he's, a lot more once sense. Once again,
2: it goes back to our theory that we were talking about before, which is like he's trying, as he's doing the dictaphone and the vinyl recording and all these things, we had fun. Yeah. He's like amplifying For the sure. story. And now he's even saying, Here's the spot where you caught the most right. wanted fugitive in America. Right, right. You know. And and that f- feels like it would fall into a spree killer's attitude. For sure. Which is like I'm something bigger well, than, you know.
1: And then on the on the way back where he's talking to the cops, he's like, "You boys are heroes today." Boys- oh yeah, he's building them up. He's, he's like, "You boys are and don't and don't you think that I won't tell everybody when we get back there? I'm going to let them all know that you're heroes."
2: By the way, though, before they jump in the car and they've got him, he, he cuffs it. They cuff him. This is where you guys caught me. And then they start walking back to the car. And the one cop starts shooting off a I couple. Know, of, what the
1: fuck was that? <laughs> he
2: starts shooting a couple of rounds into the air. <laughs> but what's funny is in the car later, he asked him, ask him, that the first time you, you ever had a shoot as a, on, on, while you've been on duty? And he's like, no.
1: Oh, that's why he did it, because he wanted to actually shoot he the gun. He wanted to shoot yeah, the gun. he wanted to shoot the gun. That makes sense. It's the only time he's ever yeah, shot the gun. Yeah, yeah. I thought it
2: was funny. But on the way back, yeah, he's he's pumping him full of confidence. Yeah, yeah. He's like, man, you guys got me. Yeah. You're the ones. And they're building into it.
1: Oh, yeah, they love it. They love it. They love it.
2: And, and so, and then it turns into this whole kind of the ending is basically it shows Kit in a, in a, uh, he, he's cuffed up he's kind of in chains. He's kind of in chains. It's one of those chains that are kind of that are attached to someone else that they can pull him back mm-hmm. or whatever, kind of keep him at a distance. And but at the whole time, he's leaning up on the airplane <clears throat> and all the all the authorities are surrounding him and, and he's, th- he's throwing you want a comb? Well, you want They have a goddamn
1: army there. Yeah. Like that, and that's the funny thing is uh I doubt the army was out looking for him. I'm sure that was just the most secure place they could take him. But it's just funny. He's got the and they're asking him questions. Where are you from? And he tells, And then he asks. It's almost like a celebrity. It's, it's like, 100%. where are you from? Tell me where you're from. Tell me what your favorite thing is. You know, like it's. And he's he's tossing out souvenirs to these souvenirs.
2: guys. Souvenirs, combs, and whatever he's got in his yeah, pocket.
1: Yeah, you want a lighter? I've had this ten years.
2: You want this? You want this? And, and who wants it? I want it. I want it. You yeah. hear people going, yeah, yeah. Um, because he's they've caught the the biggest fugitive in America. And he's having a. And he loves. He's it. having a blast. He's eating it up. And he's gone from the garbage man to the most important yep. man in America.
1: And this is the first time we see him happy. Like truly smiling. He's happy. excited
2: yeah. Yeah. It's genuine. Yep. It's genuine. And so he gets on, uh, he, he he goes and meets Holly. Holly's of course caught and they're gonna fly him back to to prison and do the whole spiel. But while this is happening and they're flying in the airplane going back, you hear Holly's voiceover. And and then you get a little bit of context about what happens to Kit and what happens to her. She marries the son of the lawyer who defended helped her. defended her yeah. in the in the trial. And six months after the trial, Kit of course is sentenced to the electric chair and he's killed. Yep. Um. It's this great shot though, while they're in the plane and you're hearing this voiceover, and you just see him look at Holly, and then Holly looks at him and she actually gives him like an endearing smile. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, it's a cool ending it is a really cool ending because you almost like we mentioned I thought it was going to go a complete different way for
1: sure and I think pretty much anyone who saw it
2: thought that as well I think uh, it is a fun film overall and I love all the way through strategically done and put together beautifully shot great chemistry I think it was great acting if if you were to rate this particular film give me your summary and your overall consensus of the rating
1: um i i enjoyed it i i enjoyed it more than i thought i would for sure it helped going in blind i did go into this with some trepidation just because some of the the first time filmmaker films we have watched have not been stellar to say the least but uh it, i was pleasantly surprised i i it wasn't a movie I'll watch again and again and again. But as far as Terrence Malick goes, I think this is a good starting place and I'm actually going, that's going to be the next thing I do is watch all of his movies because I'm really interested. It was, a, it was done well enough for me to say, this is his first effort. I'm very impressed and I really like it. Um, Martin Sheen was just He's great. great. And I, again, I don't know how someone who's so uninteresting can be so interesting and uh, to me, that I think that's just straight-up performance. He did a great job. Sissy Spacek was great, too. I, I think she was a little bit... I don't want to say overshadowed. I think she was maybe a little underwhelming, but that's exactly how it should have been played. Yeah. So maybe she's not getting the recognition from me that she deserves, but I think she played it perfectly. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I think I would probably give it uh, seven... I had something for this. I can't remember. Seven stars. I don't
2: know. Seven... <clears throat> combs. Seven combs.
1: Seven, seven, Some souvenir that he would have given seven, seven time capsules. There you go. Out of ten.
2: Because, by the way, one we neglected to mention is the time capsule of the balloon. There's a balloon time capsule where they put stuff in and they float the red balloon. Oh, away. yeah, that's right. That's right. So he has this fascination with preserving his history, which is interesting.
1: He's just trying to leave his mark on the world, exactly. I think. Exactly, yep. 100%. And it's hard to do that as a garbage man.
2: What's the film about?
1: Um, I think the film is really kind of about growth. And it's as absurd as it is to say, I think there is some growth there for Kit as well. Um, you see him, and it's it's very twisted, but he does go from being a nobody to being a somebody. And Holly achieves her goals as well. She gets married. And, you know, we, we assume that she's going to go off and be able to travel because she's, a, you know, a lawyer's son. So the implication there is, There's probably some money there and she'll go up, be able to travel and see all these places. So I I think it's about growing up more than anything and kind of coming into who you are as a person. That's good. Be it good or bad. uh, I I think that's what it's about.
2: That's great. So we got it. You got a seven out of 10. Yeah. On the film. Uh, But it has also led you to want to jump into maybe another Terrence Miller film. Though, I mean, most of his films that I've seen, I don't even know that I've seen them all, but. The thin, the thin Red Line is great. That one, I think Yeah, that's the one watch. I've
1: heard most about.
2: Yeah. A Tree of Life You Should Watch. It's beautifully done, so cinematography-wise, you'll be astonished. Cool. A couple pieces of trivia on this one that I think are interesting. What's funny is we actually have some trivia, and there's some notable things to mention here on this film, whereas last podcast with The Loveless, there was zero. <laughs> it wasn't even on Rotten Tomatoes, Alan. I know. That's how bad it was. So Rotten Tomatoes has this at 98%.
1: 98, wow. Yeah, yeah. from wow. the cri- from the critics. Doesn't surprise
2: me. 90% from the audience. So it, it comes in hot. Interesting. It comes in hot. Um, a couple pieces of trivia here. Uh, Sissy Spacek met her husband on the film. I thought that was kind of interesting. Oh. Um, Jack Fisk, he was the art director. So you were talking about this before, and here's what's even cooler about the Charlie Sheen thing. It was Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez. Oh, really? The two boys under the lamppost. Emilio
1: Estevez was there too? Uncredited. Mighty Ducks?
2: Yep. Oh my God. Uncredited, both play Boys Under a Lamppost. That is awesome. That is awesome. This is their... Uh, so it's uh, Emilio and Charlie's feature film debut. Wow. That's awesome. It that is cool. Um... And here's one you were talking about. The actor originally cast as the architect that rings the door at the rich man's house. Uh, was uh, he didn't show up. Oh, is that why? He just okay. didn't come to set? Okay. So Terrence Malick played the part himself. Malick later wanted to reshoot the scene with another actor. But Martin <laughs> Sheen refused to redo the sequence with another person.
1: Really? Yeah. I wonder why. Because that, that was such a, a short little thing.
2: Here's an interesting one. You know, one thing we didn't talk about too much was the murderous tones to the film, of course, serial killers, spree killers, that kind of thing. I was rightly corrected by my wife, by the way. I that said it's not a serial killer. Yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah spree killer.
2: My wife <laughs> I'm like, should, why is that? A, not surprising and B scary? I had a feeling she might correct you on that one. Uh, it's not a it's not a serial killer. It's a spree killer. Actually. And my wife listens to the podcast, so now she'll know nice, that nice. I told the truth, even though I already knew it was a spree killer.
1: <laughs> you got to use the right terminology, man. No, I didn't
2: know. The film's tagline inspired the Zodiac killer, who had been lying low for years to write a letter to a newspaper denouncing their flippant attitude toward violence in society by running such an ad. I don't know what that makes any sense or if it's even true. That sounds f- farce.
1: Wait, it's saying that it inspired the. Yeah, because in 1959,
2: killer? a lot of people were killing time. Kit and Holly were killing people, and and this ins- this was uh inspired the zodiac. I don't know if the, there's no validity to that.
1: Yeah, fallacy. They don't even know who the Zodiac killer is. I know.
2: <laughs> so I don't know how. That's a bad. <laughs> Where they get that? Piece. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Call them out on that one. But. Now, one thing it is, is that it is based loosely around, like we mentioned before, Charles Starkweather and uh, Carol Fugate, I guess, who in 1958, they embarked on a murder spree that horrified the country. So it was pulled from that that storyline. <clears throat> I don't know where this comes from. Once again, I can't validate all of these trivia pieces. But Martin Sheen still believes that this is his finest film.
1: It's great. It's great. I haven't seen which, every Martin Sheen film, but... Well, oh.
2: I mean, you you know, immediately, not too far after this, you think Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Um, so, so this, you know, that's pretty. It's pretty. Good. If he's
1: putting this one over that, that's that's high praise.
2: I love Apocalypse Now. Um, this is very cool, and this is why it gets such high applaud and, and praise. In 1993, uh, twenty years after its release, the film was selected for preservation by the American Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. I think it's actually all three of them.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it's well, well-deserved. <laughs>
2: uh, both this and Martin Scorsese's Mean Streets debuted at the New York Film Festival, and Warner Brothers picked up both those films. It also was the closing film at the festival, which is mm-hmm. kind of a, 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 a spot that you want, um, and apparently bumped Mean Streets.
1: Oh, did it really? And Scorsese had
2: good things to say about the film after he watched it at the festival.
1: So he wasn't he wasn't too scorned. He
2: said something about it being a a genuine piece of American cinema. So,
1: which is more than he said about the Avengers movies. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, those are American. They're American theme parks.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs>
2: Sissy Spacek later said that working with Terrence Malick completely changed her whole attitude toward filmmaking.
1: I wonder, does it say, does it specify whether that's in a good way or a bad way?
2: She reckons she would have had a much different career if she and Malick hadn't crossed paths. So I don't know if that's good or bad. I would imagine even if they had butt heads, it was probably for good.
1: Well, the only reason I say that is because it sounded, just from the the stuff that I read, it sounds like this was a nightmare production and no one was happy with Malik. I don't know anything about the guy. Yeah,
2: a masterpiece is painted.
1: Exactly, so exactly. Like, well, th- the reason why, and I, I hope I'm not butchering this, but I think the reason why the first DP quit was because a stuntman was hurt, and he was burned. Se- severely hurt. Se- yeah.
2: Like to, not fatally, but very severely injured.
1: And rather than uh, pay for a helicopter to take him to the hospital, Malik just had him dry. And I guess the ho- hospital's super far away and so the dp quit in protest
2: i had heard something or read something similar um and it was during the scene where they burned the house down yeah 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 Yeah. that's what i had read too
1: so and it's and also by the end of the production from what i heard it was like malik his wife and like one or two other people on the crew and that was it because everyone else bailed yeah so uh, i just wonder i don't know anything about him i don't know whether he's Good to work with, bad to work with. This is just a bad experience, but it. I just I love because everyone's been on set when it's been a nightmare. It's kind of fun to read horror stories. Yeah, when you're far removed from it, it sucks when you're in the middle of it.
2: I don't know. I think it's it's interesting to think that if it was such a nightmare, how this this rises like a phoenix. Yeah, the, from the fire. Sure, of, for, sure, for sure. For sure. Uh, The injury thing's pretty severe to me. Like, you got to, I mean, of course, you're on set, like, safety's first, right? Right. So that's a real interesting tidbit to know is like, oh, man, someone got severely injured right, on the field. Right. Like, okay, wait a minute. Right. <clears throat> Kit was originally supposed to be 19, but his age was changed to 25 as Martin Sheen was 32. Yeah,
1: I was going to say, <laughs> you know, he, he looked good, but I don't think he could play a 19-year-old. No.
2: Shot over a period of 16 weeks. And like we mentioned, Terrence Malick is an uncredited editor on the picture, along with the director, the producer, the writer, and just about everything else. It's a hell of a film to make. Uh, The film was purchased, like mentioned, by Warner Brothers for around a million dollars. This is kind of interesting. It was released as a double bill back in 74 with Blazing Saddles. Uh, Yeah,
1: I I read that. That's, that's an interesting double billing. It's
2: not a good one, uh-uh. and fans were not happy with it, and it caused Warner Brothers to go, the marketing team to go, maybe we screwed this one up. <laughs>
1: I wonder which one played first.
2: They rebranded it and and then build it with something else. God, that's that's funny. And here's the interesting thing, <laughs> yeah, and and also, Terrence Malick started writing the screenplay when he was twenty seven, so he filmed it when he was about thirty.
1: It's good. I mean, he. he you can tell he took his time and he knew what he was doing right out the gate i, I to me, it's just very impressive anytime a first time filmmaker can can kind of hit a home run
2: yeah, I agree, like when you you're always impressed when they come out, especially when you hear all these stories that we had just talked about right Don Johnson auditioned for the lead role of Kit
1: ah uh, did he yeah, nah,
2: no, Martin no. Sheen, for sure Don and, Johnson
1: would have chewed the scenery too much, I think,
2: yeah. The film is included on Roger Ebert's greatest movies list. So cool. I yeah. take take that for what it's worth. And then also it's part of the Criterion Collection. That's kind of an interesting thing. So you kind of do a quick summary on the piece and, and talking about kind of where my rating sits on it. This this film's interesting to me because I think it speaks quite significantly. I think it has a lot of parallels. I think. It's a timeless piece. And mm-hmm. the reason it's a timeless piece, I know some of these pieces that we've watched, they don't hold true to, to today's culture and society. What I find absolutely intriguing is this piece ha- almost resonates more culturally today than it did back then. Sure. If you think about spree killings and these kind of, these essentially massacres, in a sense, our weird glorification of, mass killings Mm -hmm. uh, uh, giving them a form of notoriety right um kids feeling like and this gets really uh heartfelt in the sense that kids feeling like similar to kit in the sense that they're not wanted that they feel like outcasts, they feel like they're aimlessly wandering and then the result being something really really tragic
1: yeah the the feeling that that doing something like this would make them will make important. them
2: important. Right. Exactly. It's that's why to me this even more so than some of the other reasons is that this this film resonates quite hard quite significantly, I should Definitely. say. Definitely. Uh, for, for for today. Also, I I found it interesting that the way he made it, where he could make a film about a spree killer and about violence and and death and murder without with next to no blood and yep. have, and have it and have it rated PG right if this film's made today it's almost like how do you do that in the way that we contextualize movies
1: right well i don't think you could even show any blood in PG13 right now like if they were to make this today and try and make it PG13 i don't think you can show even any blood like in the gunshot wounds cuz you see like you go watch like the Dark night or something. People get shot. You see the clothes kind of explode, but there's no blood.
2: But it's also it. Maybe it's not just the blood. It's the way that the violence is displayed.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Watch it like it. It's a lot more. It's 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 different today than it was. The, I just mean you, the, how do you make a movie about a spree killer and murder and do it as a PG movie? Right. Right. So I found that to be uh, interesting.
1: But also PG means something different today than it did back then.
2: It does. Yeah, it does a little it's, it's kind of it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of uh, grown a little bit in, in some regards. Um, but even looking at the film, it's it's pretty mild. Definitely. You' definitely. looked at something today with a spree killer, it's not going to be that, no, no, no. <laughs> that soft, uh-uh, no. in a sense. And I admire him for that. I think it it, it, it plays into it quite nicely. Uh,
1: the characters were more interesting to me than the spree killing. I agree. Than any of the murders. Yeah,
2: he, he's great at building these characters that are... And even in The Tree of Life, and you go watch it, um, in a different way, it's really... Um, it's kind of internal. It's kind of like these very personal. The characters mm-hmm. are like they're they're real. Right. And he does a good job at building characters that way. I really like the movie. I think it's really well done. I think it's really well put together. Once again in contrast to some of the other ones we've done like I'm blown away in this sense that he goes out there and has all these kind of the friction that happened on set and all the things that transpired but makes this really beautiful film and in is 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 put into the National Registry, which is crazy yeah. to me. That's that, yeah. that 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 puts it in its own kind of category. Really liked the film, had a fun time with it. Uh, I would watch it again. It's not one, like you said, I would probably watch repeatedly, but I would watch it. And I would suggest that anybody who is interested in kind of the Malick films or doesn't have a whole lot of understanding about the Malick films or haven't seen it, go watch it. So I'm going to come in out of 10. uh, I'm going to go with with an 8 out of 10 uh, on the film. Um, and I would encourage anybody to go kind of watch it. Any cinematographers who are specifically interested in camera work, yeah, yeah, you have to watch it. And also I think just directors and writers for, from the storytelling perspective. For sure. So this is uh Badlands by Terrence Malick. Uh, you should go check it out. Uh, Alan, thanks for, for bearing with me again on Dude, another hey, one I of these love, podcasts. I love it, man. I love it. We're, we're, this is a fun movie too. This is a, this was a good one. It's this, much more fun than doing the loveless. This was a, <laughs> this was a great sequel follow up, I should say. We
1: got to get to one where we're, we're button heads a little bit. We got to find one.
2: Yeah, we're kind of always kind of gearing towards the same yeah. direction, whether it be good or bad, right. or
1: hate or love. We'll find something. We'll find yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. I like a lot of weird shit. So
2: well, that's what I mean. I think most of these movies up to this point, I've chosen. That's true. Um. And I've seen them all, with the exception of the Loveless, I hadn't seen. Uh, I actually, by the way, on a side note, I make I teach an Intro to Film class at the community college. Mm-hmm. I Badlands is in my watch list is for it? Intro nice. to Film. Nice, nice. Uh, because it's it's that. Yeah, good. I can see why. Um, m- uh, here's what we need to do. You need to then choose the next. All right. Film. All right. So that so that we're we're, we're bringing some variety to this okay. beyond my what I think. I think I, I think well, I already I think, have so, it. Okay, good. Perfect. I think you already have it. But uh, tune in next time. This is the Tame Aperture podcast talking about all things movies. Join us at uh, www.tameaperture.com. We're also streaming on all media platforms, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube. We're all over. So go check us out and tune in next time and take care, everybody.
0: The Tame Aperture Podcast is produced by Dutch Angle Pictures in association with Studio B Productions. Listen, watch and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify and YouTube.